Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. Welcome to the show. Sean Trotar, Sandy Clough here with you. The Denver Nuggets now have uh, has seen their potential opponents window down to only two after the Oklahoma City Thunder top the New Orleans Pelicans in New Orleans, 123-118. to The Thunder will take on the Timberwolves, who gave away basically their playing game against the Lakers. Earlier in the week, they will play on Friday, and of course the Nuggets will take on the winner on Sunday. Sandy, we talked about this a little bit before the, the program began, and we've talked about it over the course of, of the week, quite frankly, about potential opponents for the Nuggets, and it felt like of the four available, the Lakers, the Timberwolves, the, the Pelicans, and the Thunder. The two that worried us the most, by far for me, it was the Lakers, and then to yeah. a lesser extent, the Pelicans, because I agree. Uh, of the size that they have up front. Those two are no longer options. The Lakers will be moving on to be this, the seventh seed, so they'll take on... So they're outside the Nuggets bracket. Right, and so you don't have to worry about them for quite some time. And the Pelicans, of course, by losing last night, are all the way out. So uh, they're finished. You have the Thunder and the Timberwolves. None of these teams can be taken lightly. I get that. But out of the four potential opponents, the two that we thought were the toughest for the Nuggets potentially are both out of the picture. And I would say Minnesota playing host to Oklahoma City tomorrow night might be considered the favorite. You may be able to... uh they are. Pull they're, that they're, up. they're five and a half point favorites as it stands. The um, heat is equivalent. I imagine. I imagine that is a reasonable number for such a game, given the fact that Oklahoma City had to play in New Orleans last night and must play in Minneapolis tomorrow night. That's a quick turnaround. But Oklahoma City is young. They have on their team some players who have uh, tasted big games, and last night was a survival game. Mm -hmm. It's a winner-go-home affair, and they're playing in New Orleans, and as has been the frequent pattern in playing games so far, the home team gets off to a good start. It happened with Toronto and Chicago last night, too, in Mm -hmm. Toronto. The home team got off to a very good start, Toronto collapsed in the fourth quarter. New Orleans was way behind going into the fourth quarter after leading early and looking like a winner. And Oklahoma City came back, took control of the game through the third quarter, and New Orleans rallied in the fourth quarter and actually led 114-112 with only a few minutes remaining. Oklahoma City came back and went on an 11-4 run to close the game and win by five. Brandon Ingram had a jumper inside of 20 feet with 18 seconds to go that had it gone in would have given the Pels a one-point lead. So New Orleans had its chances. Oklahoma City is young. They're tough. They're probably a year or two even away from serious playoff contention, but they are one of the healthier teams still around in the playoffs slash play-in tournament. They have no serious injuries to key players. 
They are an odd team in that they have two forwards, both named Jalen Williams. They're spelled differently. One goes by J, and the other goes by Jalen because they have exactly the same name. They are built similarly. One went to Santa Clara. The other went to Arkansas. They are unselfish players, blue guys, that make way for the three guys who were major stars last night in Gilgis Alexander, Dort, and Giddy. Giddy was one rebound short of a triple-double last night. Shea Gilgis Alexander was his usual brilliant self with 32 points, five rebounds, three assists, three steals, a block, and only two turnovers in 41 minutes. He was a plus 15 in the game they won by five. And really, New Orleans, with what they had, played about as good a game as New Orleans can play. Ingram, Valanchunas, Jones, Murphy, McCollum, in their starting lineup were all good. They didn't get much from their bench, and without Zion, they needed a little bit of a push, and maybe the starters, missing some key shots late, got a little tired, McCollum will have surgery on his thumb, which has bothered him for three months. He has stayed in the lineup. He also has a badly injured shoulder that he has played with that may well require surgery. New Orleans, if they ever get McCollum, Zion, and Ingram together with role players like Jones and Murphy, Jones, an exemplary plus, defender, remember, uh, Murphy, Jose one of the best shooters, right? Other outstanding Absolutely. If they ever get anything close to whole, they will be a handful. And they could have been a handful and were for a while this year before injuries took out Williamson for the season, as it turns out, in January. And even Ingram barely played half the season due to an injury. So New Orleans is gone. Oklahoma City is still around. I don't think either Oklahoma City or Minnesota, particularly Minnesota, is capable of beating Denver four times in a seven-game series. However, I think Oklahoma City could be much more aggravating to the Nuggets than the Minnesota Timberwolves would be. Also a team dealing with injuries and uh, overall moronic behavior. Yeah, obviously that's, that's an issue. And when you're talking about this particular Oklahoma City team, yeah, it's it is potentially an interesting fit if you end up playing them. The uh, injury to Chet Holmgren obviously has been. But a, they've again, this is like they've, they've Landis Scott. Right, he's he been, been out all, all year, year, and after a while, okay, they haven't ever. But had he's him, one of the few guys. So they're not size. missing. Him. And so when you I, try I to match up with the uh, the Nuggets, they have no one. They have no one who can physically. No one who physically can match up with Jokic. That is absolutely the case. And Jokic in such a matchup. If it does come about, should wreck. I mean, he, the tends, series he tends to from an Oklahoma City point yeah, of view. dominate those single kind of players handedly. Jalen Williams, the one that goes by Jay, mind you, this is one that's six nine. Yes, is the, the biggest potential threat at six nine two forty, but he's not a center. No, he, nor he's he, giving up inches and pounds. Yeah, and, and, and he's not a, a center, and he's not a center. So I mean, it ends up being there really isn't anyone on that roster that plays any significant minutes that can do anything. I mean, the next guy and with I any height say is when, when I say he's not a center, I understand there are centers in this league who are 6'9", 6'10", 240, 250. Mm-hmm. 
but he hasn't been trained as a center. Yeah, he doesn't have the, the requisite skill set right. as a center. He, he's miscast. And so, yeah, if it were to be the the Thunder, you're obviously concerned, especially when you're looking at that that sort of three-wing combo of Gilgis Alexander, who's arguably a top-five player in the league. I believe he is at the present time. Giddy, of course, who played very, very well, the former uh, you know Australian rookie last year. It's coming out of the coming out of basically the Australian league, and has been extraordinary. And Lou Dort has has been one of those guys that yeah. time to time can be really effective. So he is an excellent defender. Yeah, it feels uh, like he is not a big time offensive contributor. Well, but last night, seven last night, yeah, last night I said twenty three. I believe he had twenty seven. Right, you were correct. 27-5-1 with a block and was plus 8 in 36 minutes. And he was playing Ingram almost all the time. And Ingram was out there for 38 minutes. So one was not on the floor without the other. And uh, Ingram had 30 and Dort had 27. Yeah, And that was the key to the win, that Dort basically neutralized Ingram. Despite giving up four inches. Yes. In height. Yes. But he got into Ingram, as they say, and made life difficult and exhausted him to the point where he missed a shot late that he would ordinarily make seven or eight times out of ten and, and missed the shot that would have put New Orleans in the lead. And when he missed that shot, the game was essentially over. Uh, I will say this. If I were to make up, an all-NBA team, Shea Gilgis-Alexander would be on it. Yes. Donovan Mitchell would be on it. Jason Tatum would be on it. Giannis would be on it. And forgive the parochialism, Jokic would be on it, not Embiid. But my second team would be Embiid, Doncic, Butler, Holiday, and Steph Curry. That would be my second team. In other words, I would take Shea Gilgis-Alexander right now over Steph Curry. I would take him right oh, now over Steph Curry. I think I would, too. For regular season purposes. Mm-hmm. No. Curry missed a bunch of games. Keep that in mind. Sure. Damian Lillard did not close out the season with the Portland Trailblazers, and the Blazers were ahead of only San Antonio and Houston this year in the Western Conference based on the fact that his team won 40 games and Golden State won, what, 44, and Curry missed quite a few of them, mm-hmm. I would have Gilgis Alexander on my first All-NBA team ahead of those two. So he is a, he is a force to be reckoned with. Uh, the interesting thing about the teams in these playoffs, the top three teams in the West – have been, as I suggested yesterday with respect to the Nuggets, the steadiest teams. But if you're looking for finals MVPs over the last decade, Kevin Durant plays for Phoenix. He's won two. Kawhi Leonard, he plays for the Clippers. He's won two. Steph Curry has been a finals MVP. He plays for Golden State. LeBron James, finals MVP. He plays for the Lakers. So what do you take, Sean, in the Western Mm. Conference playoffs? The superstars or the steadiest teams? Which way do you go? I I will say that 
the league has done a good job. We'll find out as it goes along in the playoffs. But there is still a part of me that looks at the NBA playoffs and thinks that the Stars still get the calls. Now, I think that is a bit of a reflexive statement on my part because... But not inaccurate. It's... Yeah, it, it, not entirely. I mean, I, we will find out what, how these playoffs are adjudicated. And the question is, does Nikola Jokic qualify as a star. a star who will get calls? Right. And I don't think we know. But we know that no other Nuggets are. I mean, it's going to be Jokic or or nobody. And so that's when you, you face a team like the Lakers. That's where I get concerned because you'll have two guys. That end Davis, up too. Yeah. Davis will oh, spend and, time and, and at Anthony the Anthony Davis, for a man of his size and, and relative fragility, uh, flops a lot. Uh, he's he's a, on the ground a lot for a man his size and, and, and strength. But those things concern me a little bit. They certainly concern me with Phoenix. They concern me with the Lakers. I don't think they concern me quite so much with the Clippers. But, yeah, that there is some worry that when this begins for the Nuggets, will they have the respect of the officials? And maybe that doesn't matter as much as I think it does. And I, and I hope that's the case. But it's one of those situations where I've kind of, I've covered this league for a long time, so is you. I'm like, eh, prove to me that it's actually different. Prove to me that when the playoffs start and the famous guys end up on the ground for whatever reason, that you're not going to put them on the line. We're not going to see... You know, 18 free throws from Anthony Davis in a game or anything like that. I, I will say this. At the tail end of the Laker-Minnesota game the other night, I think it was Prince who had stolen the ball, but it was loose as they raced back to the Minnesota offensive end of the floor in pursuit. Prince and LeBron. LeBron made a straight dive along the floor. He was the first on the floor. As Prince was going for the ball, contact was made that sent Prince tumbling. A foul was called against LeBron James. Maybe this has changed. And it was strongly questioned Uh, by the telecasting crew of Kevin Harlan and Reggie Miller, who certainly are aware that superstars get calls. In this case, not only didn't the superstar get the call, he was not the one who committed the foul. Well, we'll find now, out how the Lakers it works. won anyway. Yeah, I mean, but, ma- look, maybe it is changing because because we we've talked about this. You know, I've mentioned it the uh, <laughs> the, the, the the day you were absent earlier this week. I I took a look at the the standings and let people know that. Don't ask me where this narrative has come this week on the national <laughs> side, where over at ESPN NBA.com, a lot of places, there's been this idea that David Stern's vision of Parody is finally coming to fruition. I'm like, what David Stern did you cover? That's not, no, David Stern, Stern didn't was, want anything he wanted to parody. a star system. Yeah. He wanted the biggest stars, not necessarily the best teams. He wanted the biggest stars. And if they were in the biggest cities, so much the better. And, you know, if it, was, if it was a Stern situation, if he could have a well, team Well, that was New York, an era when right, big New York, stars Boston playing the Lakers. only played in big cities. Right. So this is really, you know, I don't know where that narrative comes from, but it's completely wrong. Uh, this is an Adam Silver creation. This with is what Adam Silver, the NBA PA, because the relationship yeah. between the two has never been better. They they are more unified than they've ever been, and the league is going in, in a better position because of it, including the national part. We just talked about the Thunder. 
Shea Gildas Alexander, Josh Giddy, uh, Lou Dort. Yep. Not one of those guys is from the United States. Not one. Gildas exactly Alexander right. and Dort are both exactly Canadian. Right. Giddy's Australian. We know about your your top MVP candidates in Giannis and Jokic. Uh, you know, Embiid. I, Embiid. Luka Doncic at one point. Yeah. You know, this is an international right. league that is continually building. The Nuggets, of course, uh, represent other countries as well, including the Nuggets' second best player, Jamal Murray, also Canadian. Yes. So th- this is. Um, you run and you look at the OKC. Milwaukee is the best team in the league and more or less has been all year. It's Milwaukee. It's been Milwaukee for the last five years. But it's Milwaukee. been a long time since Milwaukee would have been in a position to be a great team. Understood. But in the last five years, this is Adam Silver's NBA. Now. Mm-hmm. It is no longer in any way, shape, or form David Stern's Take a look at the NBA. West. May he rest in peace. I, you know, listen. Nuggets. The only team. Denver, Memphis, the, Sacramento, one, two, three. The only team in the NBA. In the last five years, and I understand schedules have been reduced, particularly in 1920 and in 2021. I get that. There is one NBA team that has averaged 50 wins a year and only one. And that team is the Milwaukee yeah. Bucks. Yeah. And that no is, yeah, one that else that 2020 season. has averaged even 50. No, they've dominated this. And the Bucks have averaged around 54. They're almost five games a year better than Denver, Philadelphia. They're way ahead of Boston over the last five years. And the only teams that have won six out of every ten games for the last five years, and that's a qualitative thing. That doesn't rely on 82 game seasons in each of the last five years, right? Mm -hmm. Six out of ten. Milwaukee, Denver, Philadelphia, Boston. That's it. That's the list. Not Golden State, 543, their winning percentage over the last five years. The Clippers, 590, not 600. Phoenix, been to the NBA Finals within the last five years. Yeah. 545. The Lakers, a champion in 2020 in the bubble, 532. Toronto, champions in 2019, 582, and out of the playoffs this year. In case you were, weren't nervous uh, enough back east, by the way, just a little uh, overall NBA note, uh, Chris Middleton practiced in full today for the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. And had him for now, a little I, bit. I, I don't know. That's, I haven't studied the, the, the Bucks' opponents. I'm sure uh, we're delighted to hear that. <laughs> I, you know, it's it's not going to matter. And listen, it's uh, Chicago at Miami. Uh, Chicago, under the circumstances this year, especially losing Ball, who may never play again. We hope that's not the case. He recently had a third knee operation. Without Ball. They've accomplished a lot just getting as far as they've now gotten. Miami needs to win this game. <laughs> They're built for now. They have uh, at least an all-NBA second-teamer in Butler. Yeah. They need to win this game and Butler is... tomorrow night at home. They need to win. Now, I suspect Milwaukee games, will wipe them out, probably. too. But Miami needs to win this year right now. More than Chicago. In, in winner go home games, more often than not, I might be taking the team with Jimmy Butler. 
That guy has got a well. Uh, he'll be the best motor. player. He'll be the best player on the floor. Um, although last night, uh, I'll tell you, Chicago, their two guys were great. DeRozan down the stretch and Levine throughout the game, thirty-nine seven and three with a steal was plus eleven in a game that was decided by four points. Want to know what you think? Who would you like the Nuggets to face? The Timberwolves or the Thunder? Let us know. Our call and text line is 303-831-1340. And also say bring them both on. It doesn't matter. And maybe that's the correct answer. We'll talk about that a little bit more next on Mile High Sports. Now more with Sandy Clough and Sean Drotar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. This is Sandy and Sean on Mile High Sports. The Nuggets' potential opponents uh, now to the Timberwolves and the Thunder will face off on Friday. They will be the second of the two play-in games. The winner will take on the Nuggets on Sunday. The Nuggets, by the way will be the last game of the playoff schedule every single game they play in the first round. I, I'm All glad that uh, Print has picked up on this point. If you read <laughs> Mark Kisler in the Denver Post this morning, you uh, read in column form exactly what uh, Mr. Drotar had to say about this issue yesterday right. on this particular program. And it's it's it would be frustrating for the Nuggets. I understand that. Let's look at Sunday's game alone. I mean, the early game is going to be the Lakers and the Grizzlies. That's the 1 p.m. at least Denver start. Yeah. Yeah. TNT will be the Bucks and their play-in opponent. Right. Clippers and Suns do the star power. Kawhi Leonard and... Of course. You know, you have Kevin Durant, Chris Paul. As Kevin you Booker. pointed out yesterday... Uh, cities that reside uh, that uh, that uh, those are, west, are located west of Denver, west of Denver. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they will be starting yeah. earlier than Denver. Denver will be the late starting game. Yeah, an eight thirty p.m. Time. game, uh, which is you know that's that's eight thirty local. Yes, eight thirty local, ten thirty eastern. Ten thirty eastern, and you wonder at times while on why a Sunday in, night. Yeah, why Nicole is going to be watching overlooked? That? Um, yeah. That's why, and that's the funny thing. I'm, I'm not. I understand why Joel Embiid is going to win the MVP, and I don't really care. I don't think Nikola Jokic cares. Um, anybody who's ever won two MVPs or more, every single one of them without exception, is in the Hall of Fame, except for the ones that Jokic are Jokic will be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> and so will Giannis. And, uh, the, and Embiid will be in the Hall of Fame. More, if he stays healthy, uh, no reason to think he won't yeah. be. Well, it, that, it, by the way, that point was made last night by uh, Jeff Van Gundy uh, on one of the two telecasts, and I can't remember which game it was done by uh, which announcers. I think it wasn't a Doris Burke on the first game, and it was Van Gundy and Jackson on the second one. I think that's correct. Okay. Yes, I believe uh, you're correct. Anyway, the point was made that in their first four years in the league, Zion Williamson played in more games than Joel Embiid, than Joel Embiid played in his yeah. first four years. Yeah. right. I, like I, 114 to 94, something like that. Williamson has played 114 games in the last four years, his first four in the NBA, and MB's first four years, he played 94 games. I believe those are the right numbers, but I know Williamson played more than MB did uh, during the last four years 
uh, as opposed to Embiid's first four years. And, and that was the point that Van Gundy was making. Don't necessarily give up entirely on Williamson just yet. Look at what Embiid has turned into. And that's a very, very good point. I mean, hard to hard to argue that for sure. But yes, you look at the, uh, the, the situation where the Nuggets get sort of underrated or Jokic gets underrated. And I guess, you know, it's, we, you, we haven't really had a chance to talk about this before, which is interesting because obviously you're, you're originally from back East and growing up here, you know, that the whole East coast bias thing. And, and what I kind of wanted to describe about that, because I don't think we've really discussed this when you talk about the issue with Nikola Jokic, but this puts it in a very clear spotlight. It is less about, a bias, as it is stated, the East Coast bias. I will say this first and foremost. Everyone want to term it, it's real. But it's less about the East Coast media people, for the most part, being provincial and more about the fact these games are late at night and they haven't actually watched them. And, and when you see a playoff game in which the West top seed starts at 10.30 p.m. Eastern time and then you run into a situation where you know, some folks back east don't watch the Nuggets or don't react to the Nuggets. Well, that, in part, that's why. So is it a bias? I think that's maybe a slightly unfair way of putting it. But is the reality that certain teams in certain time zones, especially when they are relatively minimized when it comes to start times, are they set back a little bit in those in those eyes where a lot of those voters, especially in the NBA, which started all back in, in the Northeast, is concerned? yes. That's real. So uh, Embiid, obviously in Philly, is going to get the most eyeballs. Now Giannis has gotten his, but a little bit less. is not Philly. It's Milwaukee. And then out here in Denver, Nikola Jokic is somewhat overlooked. Now it the, the play has proved it, but again, this is one of those situations where the reality can be explained in a way that makes sense. Because you're going to see, you. I, I assure you, in these playoffs, Giannis... Embiid and Jokic might have, if all three of them had the exact same stat line in one of these games, and all three of them won their playoff games, they're going to talk about Embiid first, then Giannis, and then Jokic, purely from east to west, because that's how many people see it and drop off as the night goes along. Here's the argument that I would hope the smarter people are making. I doubt there are too many smarter people making this case, but it's the only case I can come up with. No Western Conference team since the 78-79 Seattle Sonics Yikes. has won a top-seeded position with a seasonal winning percentage at 650. Or lower. Hmm. The Denver Nuggets this year were at 646. That goes back to the 78 79 season. No Western Conference team has played in a manner that they win 65% of their games. The first time since 78 79 in the Seattle Sonics that that has happened. So it contributes to the view. That is certainly easy to sell back east. And I suppose you can look at the records and say, based on the records, the top three teams in the east are better 
or in Philadelphia's case, as good as the best team in the West. Although, where did Philadelphia finish? Was it 54-28? With their final record? 54-28. I think that's right. Okay, Denver was 53-29, and so Philly was better by one game. Now, I know they were both playing meaningless games down the stretch. And you are correct, 54-28. really matter. But here's the other argument that the network people may make, the smarter ones. I don't know how many smart network people there are who dig into these numbers. But since the All-Star break in the West, the best net ratings since the All-Star break belong to the Golden State Warriors, Los Angeles Lakers, and Phoenix Suns, not the Denver Nuggets. I'm just saying, not that the Nuggets don't deserve to be the number one seed, but that it's been a down year in the West, and not just because Denver is the number one seed. Uh, Memphis is the number two seed. Sacramento is the number three seed. Sacramento has not been in the playoffs in 17 years. Phoenix, even with Durant, dealt with Durant's injuries to the point at which he only played eight games in the regular season this year with the Phoenix Suns. But they did go 8-0 in those games. Yes, they notably did. And the networks notice that number. That isn't deep metrics or analytics. Right. That's That's an easy one. You don't know any basketball. 8-0 with this player. Easy. 8-0 with this player. At least healthy enough to play. And you look overall at this playoff field, including the play-in teams, eight out of the 20 have been losing teams in the last five years, almost half, right? And 40% of the teams this year in the playoffs of the play-in tournament are losers over the last five years. So the networks are going to to gravitate to the superstars because none of the teams were that great. Nobody won 60 games Mm -hmm. this year. Milwaukee was the lead winner with 58. Now, how many years do you find recently or over time in which not a single NBA team has won 60 games. Not a one. Phoenix, did it. Phoenix did it last year, of course. Good, good luck. Uh, and I'm not talking about reduced schedules. Right, right. I'm talking but the about funny thing is, even in the reduced schedules, uh, two teams would have done it then, and given the winning percentage, Utah and Phoenix would have been able to do it with their winning percentages of over 700. Uh, you know, you have to go back to the, the, 29, well, the 2019-20 season, obviously, with the uh, uh, Milwaukee led it again, and that was... Well, yeah, but again, that was not a full season. Right, a little bit That was not there. 82 games. So, yeah, now you're talking about... In fact, different teams played different numbers of games right, in 19. Right, right. And 2018-2019, the Bucks again, as you pointed out, it's been the Bucks and tw- go back 27-2018, boy. Well, Just go Bucks, back a couple of years, think about the, that. Look at where the Houston Rockets are. 2017-2018 season, not that long ago, 65-game yeah, winners. Well, right. And, and, and some teams have been like that. Toronto has been in rather rapid decline in the last couple of years. Yeah. And barely squeezed into the play in this year and then got beat last night. Is some of this parody or is some of this the nature? I mean, if people want to well, look at it as if it's a, some, the some boogeyman, it is, but some and, of it's also load management. Well, yes. And better management of the schedule. And, and I'll, I'll be honest, some of it's the pandemic that affected two seasons out of the last five and shortened them. 
1920 and 2021. Yeah. I mean, this season now, everybody won. played the same number of games, mm-hmm. 72 and 2021. In 1920, you had a great yeah. variation. 1920, 2019, yep. 2020, 2020 season. Yep. you had an enormous variation. Yes, in number of games played by member teams. Yeah, some were invited to the bubble, some were not. Yeah, it was that was very very strange with all those different. Zion's team was years. invited to the bubble because Zion was healthy and a major TV attraction. Yep, despite there the fact was that no team other reason. Thirty and forty-two, but they wanted Zion right. in the bubble at least in the regular season. I'm for TV numbers, right? Because there are no fans, obviously, in attendance during the time spent in the bubble in 2020. So, again, it's a strange league, even this year, without a single truly dominant team. And dominance, to me, is 60 wins or more. And there's nobody like that this year in the NBA, not even Milwaukee. And then you drop down... To whatever Boston was, 57. Mm-hmm. That's the All next right. highest, yep. And then Philadelphia at 54. 54. So only two teams were over 54 mm-hmm. out of 30. When you're t- and, that, and that is essentially a winning percentage of 650. And so there were only three teams in the league that had better than 650, 650 winning percentage. 65%? All in the East. Though. All in the East. And uh, the Nuggets were close. And actually, if you look at the gap, the gap between the Nuggets and the Grizzlies was larger than the gap between the Bucks and the Celtics. Yeah. I mean, the, the Nuggets were surprisingly dominant in the West. They, they were, they were. I don't know if they were dominant, but they were very steady, and the bad patches they had were stopped fairly quickly. They didn't have you 10, didn't have 15 big, game stretches yeah. where they were losing 9 out of 10, 13 out Their of 15. Their worst stretch was really at the end of the season. When at they the were end of the year. sort of half invested. Correct. Yeah, that was right. worst stress. Right, and they finished far. whatever it was, 9 and 10 in the last 19, maybe. But it, you know, it, it wasn't a terrible stretch. They just kind of flattened out. Here's the good news about that, though. Who won the NBA title in 1979? Seattle did. That's right. That's the good news. .004 off. <laughs> if you're the Nuggets, that's what the number is. So uh, we'll see. They will play the winner of the Friday game between the Thunder and the Timberwolves. If you are injured in a sort of personal injury situation, you want to hire a winner. And that means you want our friends at Burnham Law, BurnhamLaw.com. That's 720-845-7001. Their personal injury attorneys have years of experience fighting for their clients. Locations all over the Front Range, Fort Collins, Boulder, Westminster, Cherry Creek, Colorado Springs, Cheyenne, the DTC. When you're injured, they'll push for you to get your maximum recovery, whether it's by settlement or by trial. So when you're hurt, Don't hire somebody off a billboard. Hire someone who will fight for you and is a proven winner. That's our friends at Burnham Law. So the phone number is 720-845-7001. Check them out at BurnhamLaw.com. There is a winner in the NFL. A big one. Costly win. And maybe one the NFL's been looking for. I'll explain next on Miley Sports.
This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Probably what more than a few NFL owners are thinking right now, and they won't have to deal with it because it appears <laughs> in the last few minutes, the uh, we knew that the Washington Commanders situation is has been uh, heading towards Dan and Tanya Snyder being out. Well, they apparently are moving quicker to that than we might think. Uh, literally during our last segment, just a couple of minutes ago, starting with John Kime, who's the uh, Commanders beat writer over for ESPN. Uh, wrote that Dan and Tanya Snyder have reached the preliminary non-exclusive agreement to sell the franchise to a group led by Josh Harris for a record $6.05 billion. That also uh, correlates Which with Adam is, Schefter. I think, about a billion dollars less than Snyder had hoped to get. But still almost a billion and a half more than the Broncos went for, which was a record, and that was in August. So, I mean, this is really a, a quite remarkable. Now, if they say non-exclusive, but it, that, that just means it has not been signed. So there that's is, eight months. In eight months' time, franchise value went from $4.6 billion to a little over $6 billion. And the previous team that was sold was the... Two point yeah, something. Yeah, 2.2. So, this has been... Uh, uh, in other words, it'll great, get to 10 it, in a hurry. It's going to cost a lot of money to get to the NFL, but if you do, you can't lose. Josh Harris, of course, was part of the uh, one of the, the bidders for the Denver Broncos and actually probably considered the second most likely to get it, although it was very clear that it was the Walton Penner group to, as long as they wanted it. But the Harris group seemed to be the second uh, most likely one to get it. Uh, Harris, Harris grew up in Bethesda, Maryland, so, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. He has a personal sure does. But yeah, personal Very net worth guy. of five point eight billion. As the man who started a, a Apollo management, and the team goes for even more than his entire value, which means yeah, you have to have some help. Uh, David Blitzer, his partner, it'll be uh, Harris Blitzer, sports and entertainment. They also well, own the Sixers. They own the they, New Jersey Devils, and they own part they, of Crystal they Palace. Will make a healthy in the profit. English Premier right. League. Right. Well, they will make a healthy profit with the Washington Commanders. Commanders. Yep, yep. I. I I just wish they had stayed with the Washington football team because that had a ring to I mean, it and it was unique. Got a new Call owner. A football team and, can, and that's fine. You can name it whatever I mean, you want I in a couple of years, you I can guess. Change it. You can change it. I, I, I think it's a terrible name. It's better than the other one, but uh, the Washington football it's team is yeah. what I continue to call them and, and in place of the commies. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Mitchell, uh, Mitchell Rails, also a uh, billionaire so, in D.C. So, yeah, but, and, but and Magic right. Johnson, part of that group. Oh, as yeah, he was, that's right. As Magic's he was going group, to be if they had bought the Broncos. They, well, there isn't a that team that comes up for the Magic sale Johnson that Magic want isn't involved well, in something. It looks like he's gotten one. So now uh, Snyder's appear to be getting out of the way of the rest of the NFL. Uh, I would say that's at times... <laughs> That's good and bad for the NFL because it seems like every single time something from the NFL looked a little sketchy, you get some some criticism or whatever. You could always go, but look, look how terrible the Snyders are. Um, you won't be able to do that anymore. You're going to have to actually deal with the rest of the, the league's issues. The NFL made two mistakes with Daniel Snyder. Never again will you see an NFL team owned by anyone for any period of time under the age of 35. That was mistake number one. I suspect you're probably right. Number two. And that's why Good, bad, or a certain you're member of the right. Bowen family was never, ever, ever going to be approved by NFL owners for that exact reason. 
All right. Number two, they did not vet Daniel Snyder. They saw a guy with a lot of money and pounced. They said, well, he'll be like Jerry Jones, and we're not crazy about everything Jerry Jones does, but we've learned to live with him because Jerry Jones is a hell of a businessman, yeah. and this guy's almost as rich as Jerry Jones, and he'll be fine. Even Jerry Jones in his weird yacht wasn't, you know, mooring it offshore in the Mediterranean to avoid getting served papers. So, I mean, having Snyder gone is going to be uh, advantageous for the league. Obviously, it's, it's a good sign for the commanders. It's a good sign for that Washington area, which is a great fan base. Uh, as intense as any in the league always has been. And uh, obviously, you know what new owner team. means. The same thing it will eventually mean here. Stadium. New stadium. The FedEx field and the team's practice facility in Ashburn, Virginia, also included in that sale, as you expect. But, yes, it does feel like that's uh, that's going. And it was very obvious that D.C., as long as the Snyders were in charge, were simply not going to give them anything they wanted. Nor was anyone else in and around the neighborhood. Right. It didn't have to be Washington, D.C., no one was going to work with that. Persona non grata. And uh, they will be gone as soon as May, because uh, you were talking just about a month. Because the next league meetings are May 22nd through yeah. 24th in Minneapolis. And that's, Interesting when, the timing, vote, yeah, that's right? when the vote could happen. That's right. So, uh, obviously, the other 31 owners have to make a vote on it. Of course, one would think it will work because Harris has already been completely vetted. Because he was probably, when you looked at all the groups, the second likeliest to take the Broncos. And there was only one number one candidate all the way through the process. However. But good move on the Harris group to stay in there. The best of the rest, the best of the rest, and the group that hung in the longest was the Harris group. And they get their foot in the door in the next spot. And that happens to be the the commanders, the team. Well, that that was their idea. Finishing second isn't always the worst thing. It'll cost you more. If you finish second, because the next team you pursue will cost more to buy. But you're probably first in line. But you've become first among equals, right. as they say. Right. And so uh, the Harris Group will purchase that uh, that team, and uh, that will give them a uh, that's a bevy of stuff. I mean, we're talking about an NFL team, an NBA team, an NHL team, a Premier League team. That's that's a lot, and uh, it's um, it's an impressive acquisition for that group. But it's also a uh, sign that there's something good here. I mean, obviously, Sixers are going in the right direction. Uh, the the New Jersey Devils have never, at least and been recently, just an embarrassment. Uh, Crystal Palace <laughs> is a smaller team in, in the Premier League. It's not one of the elite teams, but uh, kind of nowhere to go but up. But it seems in their, in their management of the other teams, it hasn't been... Uh, disastrous. So you don't you don't look at it and say, "Wow, they buy the teams and then they don't care at all," and then the teams just stink. That hasn't been the case, and I would imagine that also, along with the fact that you can bring six point oh five billion to the table, uh, the combination of the two for the NFL makes it a no brainer. I agree. Um, NFL got lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the NFL also let Snyder hang around a lot longer than they should have. They had many means by which to dispose Mm -hmm. of these people. And as unpopular as he was, they still were not able to completely force him out. They, They made it almost impossible for him to continue 
beyond the end of 2022. Which was interesting because you go back to 2018. But they could have applied more force earlier on than they did. And so... Jerry, they, Jerry they, Richardson. They have paid a bit of a price for that. Jerry Richardson, Jerry they Richardson, got rid of overnight. Who, who obviously more than uh, deserved the uh, the boot. But back in 2018, uh, yeah, Richardson, they just dumped him rather easily because they, they did told look, him to get out. Yeah, there, there was a history of him. sexual harassment and, right. and racist behavior, as we, there was with in, in this case. And, and but, they were able to get rid of Richardson, Richardson in a snap. And of course. Richardson has since passed on, but they, I, I, I'll never understand why it was so easy to get rid of Jerry Richardson and so hard and took so long to get rid of Daniel. Yeah. I've, I've been, I've confused by that as well. I don't really know why it's been the case, but regardless, sounds like that is over for the NFL. So that is a, uh, that's a good sign. That's a good sign for the, and they did not want this story hanging over the NFL draft. No. Which begins, if uh, I am not mistaken, two weeks from tonight. That is correct. So we are coming up very quickly on that. It'll be interesting to see where that goes as well. Obviously, for the Broncos, there isn't much to do until did, did you, you know find a way to get some more draft Did picks, you know? But, because I didn't. Um, I was busy for other reasons on Tuesday, so... Uh, <laughs> I I uh, certainly uh, could have easily forgotten this, but I could have forgotten it anyway. Oh, OTAs? You realize that phase one mm-hmm. began on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. The reason that some of you may not have realized it is because unlike last year, when players, in fact, were made available to speak on day one of phase one, and if you'll remember Justin Simmons, and I can't remember who the second player was. Portland Sutton. We were standing right next to each other. I do remember that. You do remember. Yep. They both spoke and spoke of a new vibe in the building. Nathaniel Hackett. Energy there was with Nathaniel Hackett. And Sean Payton indicated, I think to his credit, a couple of months ago, that uh, that would not be happening in 2023 with the Denver Broncos. And the first chance we'll get at the earliest to hear from Russell Wilson or anybody else is late May, roughly a month after the draft. And that's at the earliest during mandatory minicamp in June. I suspect they would have to make people available, but that's June. Nothing in April, nothing maybe throughout the month of May, late May at the earliest, We'll hear from players. This will not be like last year where in phase one, there was a certain amount of minor football activity. This year, there will be no football activity. The Broncos will be lifting and running. There will be no minicamp in the month of April, 2023. And the vibe is going to be get down to business and, and you know you could tell lifting and running for the next month and sean payton said about last year and you know sean payton has not been bashful about criticizing the previous regime nope i mean he said last year it's like a pinata, they got you can't miss it, into but. the football far too quickly and implied 
that the injuries that made the Broncos last year, after having been one of the most injured teams in 2020 and 2021, along with Tennessee, the most injured team when it came to players placed on injured reserve. The Broncos and Titans tied last year for that dubious distinction with 23 players placed on injured reserve. It is clear that Sean Payton is of the belief that by getting into the football as quickly as they did a year ago, the Broncos did something that later on led to a number of injuries and not only the firing of virtually the entire coaching staff, but of the strength and conditioning staff as well. I went and looked. If you'd like an idea of, of how come the OTAs aren't as exciting as last year and if the, everyone knows that, I, I literally, while you were talking, went to denverbroncos.com, promotional arm of the team itself. The top eight stories on their front page, not a one of them has to do with OTAs. This thing is staying on the down There, there really low. isn't. It's, it's just they're lifting and running. Yeah. That's it. That's, That's all it. they'll be doing and Sean, for the and, next month. And if month. you've wanted to know who's in charge of how the Broncos are going to be releasing their messages, that's also Sean Payton. Lips are sealed. The you Colorado, mean George Payton's not uh, in charge I, of I, any I, of that? Sean Payton said George Payton's there just to tell people no when they ask if they're trading receivers. <laughs> have to take him at his word. The Colorado the Avalanche have an opportunity to t- keep, keep control of the Central. They're going to have to get a win tonight. We'll break down their game next. <laughs> 